present the news quiz with your host, Sandy Toxvig. Hello and welcome to the news quiz. We start with a personal ad from the Financial Times, read by Peter Donaldson. Potent, golden-haired Yogini 39, creative, sensuous, ethereal, beckons grounded, resourceful, attentive, happy-feely, non-smoking, significant otter. <laughs> Our thanks to Jason Smith for sending that in. Now, let's meet the teams. Will you welcome first, on my right, Fred McCauley and Joe Caulfield. And opposite them, on my left, Jeremy Hardy and Phil Jupitus. Right, Fred, you get the traditional easy story. Who's been accused of talking a lot of papal bull? I'm kind of nervous because this could tend us towards incitement to religious hatred because the Pope has had a go at the Muslims. Now, as you know, I reside in the west of Scotland and half the population of the west of Scotland are delighted (laughs) because it's an old firm match this weekend, Rangers against Celtic, and the Rangers fans have got a new chant which is, we've got the Muslims on our side. Um, so it's the Pope, uh, Pope Benedict, uh, and in our house, in the Macaulay household, when uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, as he was known, uh, was elected the Pope, my youngest son said, Dad, they've elected a rap singer. <laughs> and um, do you know what it was that he said that caused such offence? You know uh, something along the lines that there's one cause of trouble in the world, and it's basically the Muslims, or <laughs> that's, that's what he, Pope Benedict, number one, the Vatican, Rome... <laughs> to say, and I should declare that I am Church of Scotland. The Church of Scotland official position in this is, uh, oh dear. (laughs) The Pope was quoting some emperor, wasn't he? It was Emperor Manuel II. From the 14th century, so he's moving with the times now. Yeah, which is good, we like that. He's hip and up to date. Next it'll be Skiffle. Um, (laughs) And have you seen, they're burning him in effigy, and they're incredibly low quality effigies. So that kind of, they're, not really, they're not really putting effort into the effigies anymore. <laughs> Is that? amazed at how quick they get these effigies? You know, somebody somewhere has got effigies for all occasions. Within five minutes, you can get your effigy. As if you're infallible, because he's, he's, he's vaguely apologised for it. Can you express regret if you're infallible? Well, no, he can't ever say he's wrong, partly because he's infallible and partly because he's a man. <laughs> Yes, indeed. This was our Pope on the Ropes story. Um, The Pope has apologised several times for a violent reaction to a speech he made which contained a 14th century quotation uh, critical of Islam. Um, Muslim scholars insist that the Pope keeps making basic mistakes uh, when he talks about Islam. Uh, I think the main basic mistake is that he keeps talking about Islam. (laughs) Joe, which overthrow proved underwhelming... Thailand had the loveliest coup. It was lovely. It was absolutely gorgeous. They didn't want to offend the president, so they waited till he went away, and then they just brought some tanks out that had been decorated by children. Uh, it was more like a harvest festival, really. <laughs> King said, fine, everyone's really happy. It's just the nicest thing. The president that they got rid of, who did apparently do lots of uh, accused of corruption and all that thing, he was also the Thai businessman that was interested in buying Liverpool Football Club. So thank God that didn't happen and put a stain on English football. Yes. Because there's no corruption there. So 
that would have been upsetting. But I think at the same time, what's really that is interesting is the Thai thing, where because there's a lovely climate and everyone's quite happy, it was all just, oh, we'll have a coup, fine, it's finished. And then Hungary, nasty climate, they've all gone insane because their prime minister said he lied. But I love that. He said, I lied, I lied, I lied continuously. And he actually said, I lied, not a little, a lot. He's like the Paul Daniels of Hungary. But obviously, you know, you can't resign for lying as prime minister. But he didn't lie about anything serious like, you know, going to war or anything like that. So uh, everything's fine. So with the military coups, with your army overthrowing the incompetent president, I think I now understand why Bush was so keen to go to war quickly. Get him out of the country. No chance of being overthrown. (laughs) There has been indeed a peaceful coup in Thailand. Now, Peter's going to have to help me out. Uh, It has ousted the controversial (laughs) prime minister, Thaksin Shinawa. Very good. Taksin Shinawat. Thank you very much. Uh, which has apparently been endorsed by the Thai king, Bumipon. No, Pumipon. Pumipon. Adulia dead. Adulia dead. <laughs> uh, the coup leader, General Sondi Bunyaratakalin. You're just making them up. Nicknamed the Gentle General, has promised that democratic government will be restored within a year so that the will of the people can be carried out. A statement obviously designed to make the rest of us jealous. Right, Phil. Which public body is unwell and showing no signs of improvement? It's be our, uh, our delightful and uh, peerless and renowned around-the-world health service is experiencing some technical difficulties <laughs> at the moment. Uh, they have a computer system where they're hooking up all the doctors and hospitals together under this scheme called Connecting for Health. And it's basically this computer network that is linking hospitals up with doctors so information is readily available. And uh, this thing, in four months, crashed massively 110 times. What, I mean, what kind of information do you, do you like? Ask me, Jeeves how to do a triple bypass. I mean, what kind of... What is you can Google your kidney. Um, <laughs> this health thing has is, gone very badly for them. It's the biggest non-military computer system in the world. It's actually killed more people than the military. <laughs> Yes, so they're they're very unhappy with it, and I think the unions are striking during Mr Blair's speech on health. There's there's loads of strikes going on because the NHS, what are they called, NHS logistics or something? Yeah, all the transplants have been given to GHL to do now. No. (laughs) Yeah. So you wake up from an operation, there's a bug in a crash helmet, it goes, could you sign for this please, mate? (laughs) (laughs) Can I use your toilet? Secretary Patricia Hewitt has admitted that billions of pounds invested in the NHS have failed to make much difference to patients. She called the NHS a 1940s system operating in the 21st century, and I thought it was an interesting insight into the current length of waiting times. Um, (laughs) So there's uh, two points for Phil. Jeremy, who tried to prove he's not too old to enjoy a party? Oh, bless. (laughs) This is the oldest man in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Mingus Campbell, who's had quite a good week. He's got, had quite a good week because he managed to scrap the Liberals' only policy. Um, and he saw off Chucky Kennedy, who came back, because he's sober now. And like most sober Scotsmen, he's no longer funny. <laughs> Ooh, but, and I, I missed Ming's big speech. Um, it, it was on in the room and I was sitting there with, in front of the television but somehow it just kind of passed me by. <laughs> but I did enjoy the Q&A because somebody asked a sort of humorous question about his image and he sort of said something like, well, I'm not with it like some hip dancing teddy rocker. And then, <laughs> Being like, fair though, Jeremy, he did get two standing ovations. I mean, I think it was partly because he didn't hear the first one, but... Um... <laughs> 
I quite like He went, I know who the Arctic monkeys are, but I certainly wouldn't listen to them. I guess indeed it has been Sir Ming Campbell's first conference as Liberal Democrat leader, and it was held this week in Brighton. The Lib Dems want to build a country that is fair and free and green, and that's called Denmark. Now, um... <laughs> little plug for the homeland there. Uh, at the end of that round, the scores are Fred and Joe have got four points, but Jeremy and Phil have got five. Uh, We start round two with a review from The Guardian. David Hume's essay on suicide recently reissued in the Penguin Great Ideas series. (laughs) Thanks to Veronica Burton of Oxford for spotting that. Fred, you old Beau Brummel, you. Where have weighty issues been all the rage this week? I think it's right here in London, isn't it? Yes, indeed. The weight being minimal. It's been a good week for skinny girls that are either working at the London Fashion Show or, if you're Kate Moss, and just remember kids, just say yes, <laughs> she's been on the receiving end of a £10 million deal this mm-hmm. week, which normally in the past would have made a Colombian gentleman most happy. <laughs> but uh, this week she's going to be designing clothes. And I think it was announced at Fashion Week where there's a lot of double zero, size double zero, which... Uh, I have no idea what that looks like. I'll like this, darling. It's a similar sort of All right. <laughs> it's You're radio. Your side on. But no, Kate Moss, I have to say, she's a, a bonny-looking girl, but she wouldn't tempt me because she's just a wee bit too skinny. Uh, but I was thinking, if you were to strap her on a fat lass... She'd <laughs> <laughs> be tempted. Oh, dear. Well, wasn't it in the Madrid Fashion Week actually banned... Underweight yeah? models. Yeah. They did, yeah. Mm. yeah. Anybody with a body mass index of less than 18, I have no idea what that means. but My body mass index is plus 406. <laughs> <laughs> My blood pressure is 400 pounds per square inch. <laughs> so when they take your blood pressure and the nurse runs away screaming, he's going to blow. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you have cause for concern. <laughs> It's good to go into the canteen when all the models are eating at the London Fashion Week and say, keep it down, will you? is indeed about London Fashion Week, which has been dogged by controversy uh, about the sizes of the models. Apparently the average model weighs less than seven stone, and I know this from the time I drowned one once in a duffel bag. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, so that is uh, two points for you. Fred, Joe, who wants school days to be the best and the longest of your life? Schools. I'm probably the only person on the panel without children really don't care what happens to schools. Uh, close them all down, I'm fine with it. Uh, just oh, endlessly talking about children. They're too fat, they're too thin, they don't like school, they're not going to school. They're never all annoyed that kids have mobile phones. Something like 91% of children under 12 have mobile phones, which is good because they can teach the older people how to use them. That's <laughs> so good. My parents have just got a mobile phone, but they have it in that way where they, it's an expensive item, so they don't like to take it out of the house. <laughs> And my dad has learned to text, but he can only do it in capitals, so it's like he's shouting at me constantly. (laughs) So the schools, I think it's because of kids, they're not interested, they're trying to get them more interested, so say if they make maths more applicable to their daily life. So saying like where I live, if the kids, you say to them, so say you go to Wood Green Indoor Market and you've got 10 pounds and you're going to get a Burberry baseball cap and a gold (laughs) necklace, right? You get those, how much do you have left? They cost six and two pounds. The answer, 
10 pounds because they've stolen them. Yeah. And also, I think it's very hard for the, you know, there are a lot of, you know, fat children everywhere, apparently. And I think it's because they've stopped the bullying. Chase them home from school, they'll soon lose weight. <laughs> Teachers and education campaigners have clashed with the government over their plans to offer wraparound childcare that would have pupils spending 50 hours a week in school. The Archbishop of Canterbury warned that children are becoming adults uh, much too fast. He said that some children grow up so quickly by their 30s they already want to lead the Conservative Party. <laughs> uh, that was two points to Joe. Phil, why is one small step for woman a giant leap for tourist kind? The lady, and An- 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 Anushe Ansari. Very good. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> She, uh, the first lady space tourist, she went tourist up. Tourist S. She flew up, <laughs> flew up from Kazakhstan. Uh, Sitting on it sideways. In a rocket. <laughs> she paid £11 million. Pounds, uh, no in-flight movie. Seems a bit of a cheek. But I, I think it's not good to have women in space because that just doubles the opportunity for double entendres amongst the crew and a lot of sniggering and a lot of horseplay. It'd be like, uh, the thrusters are ready. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Look at the boosters on that. <laughs> ready for re-entry, sweetheart. That sort of thing. Do you know, that's exactly how I imagine all astronauts speak to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably, though, Phil, the advantage of having a woman on board, I mean, they're heading off for the International Space Station, and if you've got a woman on board, they'll actually get there because she's willing to stop and ask directions. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, why would you want to go to space? It's rubbish. They've landed probes on things, and it just doesn't look very nice anywhere. Like Mars, you can't get a cup of tea. <laughs> There's no picnic area or anything. And they found moisture on Saturn's moon. They said, oh, it's evidence of life. It's not. It's evidence of damp. <laughs> <laughs> evidence of a poorly maintained universe. <laughs> Horrible place. I was surprised the space still has National Trust status, really. <laughs> But also, what a nightmare that one would be at that sort of dinner party conversation where people are trying to have the most interesting holidays. Like, we've been trekking in Nepal, really, there was just five of us and a guide. It was amazing. And where did you go? Space. Yeah. Not the touristy bit, though. <laughs> <laughs> she, goes, she goes on holiday and her mates, how was your holiday? It's brilliant. I lost ten stone. Anushe <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ansari has become the first woman to pay for a trip into space and the fourth ever space tourist when she blasted off on Monday on the Russian rocket Soyuz. Uh, she recently, apparently, this is fantastic, she sold her software company for £277 million. Pounds, and that's apparently enough for 25 space flights, two and a half royal families, and uh, one NHS management consultant. <laughs> uh, so, films, two points to you. Jeremy, have a listen to this. No, it's the Arctic Mingies. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jeremy, if I say to you, three million-year-old kid. Yeah, they found this fossil, which is three million years old, and very cute. And it's a child, and this is the missing link in evolution. What they hadn't figured out was the missing link between apes and humans was children. <laughs> <laughs> which makes sense if you think about it, because they're small and they can't walk properly. They don't talk properly, and they pick bits off each other and eat them. <laughs> yeah, and they've called her Saram, which is peace in several Ethiopian languages. And yeah, they found her in northern Ethiopia, and she's really, she's really cute. Mm. 
as fossils go. Because you get the old Ammonite down Lyme Regis, but you don't think, oh, can we keep it, Dad? You know. Yeah. I give a bonus point if anybody knows why we played Lucy in the Sky with diamonds as a reason for it. Because, oh, because there was another, um, what are they called? Tiny example. hairy things. Tiny hairy things. Tiny example hairy thing of this species. Lucy yeah. Before. 1974, the archaeologist Richard Leakey was listening to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds when he found the body. That was a reason. So um, you found a, a very important fossil of huge archaeological importance in the middle of his record collection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only he'd catalogue things a little better. Uh, the 3.3 million year old fossilised remains of a human-like child have been unearthed in Ethiopia. Police are baffled as the crankies weren't even on tour in Ethiopia. <laughs> You know that um, the, you're talking about the missing link, that DNA, uh, the difference in DNA between humans and chimpanzees is reckoned to be between 1.2% and 4%. So at worst, a chimpanzee is 96% the same as most of us in this room. And I've got to say, that's pretty close, but not enough to get you off a bestiality charge. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, officer, look at her. <laughs> I might hear it, I'll agree, but she can make tea. <laughs> At the end of round two, Fred and Joe have got eight points, but Jeremy and Phil are still in the lead with nine. Before we start round three, here's a cutting from the Daily Telegraph. A postman hoarded so much undelivered mail at his home that police needed a seven-ton truck to take it away. When officers arrested Roger Parkinson in February, he said, I'm glad in a way it needs sorting. <laughs> and thanks to the enormous number of people who sent that in. Fred, why is it not the end of the line for genealogists? Is this the of our phones were invented up to 20-odd years ago? 1880 on. Yeah. I despair. I really do. But it's great because there are famous people. You could have phoned Winston Churchill. Yeah. He's in the phone book. That's good to know, yeah, isn't it? See, not now, you can't. No. No. <laughs> well, I, I actually tried. I phoned one. There was a Harry Houdini who was in as a handcuff king or something like that, mm. and you don't want to go Googling for that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a great fond affection for the old phone book because I, I remember when my parents used to move house when I was a wee boy. Whenever the new phone book came out, I would find out where they were. <laughs> <laughs> catch up with them, start living with them again. Have, have any of you ever done the thing of, of checking out your genealogy? Yeah. Uh, no, I am actually related to the planet Jupiter. <laughs> I've got a huge red spot on my arse and I'm full of it. What about the Caulfields? What are you? Do you know what you're... Uh, I've met my parents. Obviously. Um... <laughs> Uh, BT and genealogy website Ancestry.co.uk have launched an online collection of British phone books dating from 1880 to 1984. Hurrah. Yeah, I know we're very excited about all of it. That must have been fun though. 1880, no cold callers, no ringtones. I suppose you could have one of those long irritating menus, couldn't you, to negotiate? I don't know, you know, press one if you have a telephone, uh, press two if you've got rickets. Um, <laughs> to oh, send a child up a chimney, press four. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, now, Joe, here is a setup to a joke if ever I heard one. Why did the Chinaman prefer being all mouth and no trousers? <laughs> well, um, Chinese man, um, he lost his penis. Which well, a traumatic accident. We don't know what it was, though. I, I don't know, maybe he... he was signalling with it in a car. I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> so he, he lost it anyway, which is very careless. Not many men just lose it. Misplaced Not... it a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, 
anyway, this man, he had a penis transplant, completely successful penis transplant, so there's no problem with it, except that his wife had a psychological problem with it, he said, so they have had it removed. But I do want to know what they did with it afterwards, so at least you have to go back, don't you? I don't yeah. know, you, you couldn't get a refund because you've used it. No. They might go, well, we could exchange it. Do you want another arm or something? We'll give you something else. They could find a man whose wife wasn't such an unremitting nag. <laughs> Poor guy. You know, I'm sure it wasn't the best-looking penis in the world. But, you know, he comes back from hospital, and probably even going into hospital. She says, are you doing anything Monday? Yeah, I'm having the operation. What? What? Well, you know I lost my penis. Oh, yes, that. Well, <laughs> they're giving me a new penis. Oh, crap. Well, I wish I had time to have a new penis put on. <laughs> have to go to Ikea. Anyway, he goes into hospital, he comes out, he gets home, he takes his trousers down, and she says, well, it's, it doesn't go. <laughs> well, it doesn't match, does it? Well, didn't they have any other ones? Well, I don't, I don't know. Well, didn't you ask? <laughs> no, I, I just thought this one would be all right. Oh, it doesn't go with the curtains. Get rid of it. I don't like it. It doesn't go with the curtains. Because <laughs> that's what women are like. It's the chintz test. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, indeed. It was the, uh, the wonderful world of endless double entendre, thanks to this man forever. A Chinese man who received the world's first penis transplant had the organ removed two weeks later. He didn't like the new penis. He, he didn't like what it was thinking. Um, <laughs> Phil, which new recruit had feet of clay? Yes, German student called Pablo. Pablo Vendel. Pa Pablo Vendel, which means that there's a Spanish student called Helmut something. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Pablo, the German student, he, he's obsessed with the Chinese terracotta warriors. And so what he did was he scouted the location where the terracotta warriors were, checked the layout of the land, as it were, dressed up as one, got in with them, and stood there for a bit of a lark. Mm. And they say the Germans have no sense of humor. <laughs> the Chinese, they, they saw some movement amongst the terracotta warriors. So why? They didn't just <laughs> cack themselves and run away. I don't know. <laughs> In China this week, German art student Pablo Vendel disguised himself as a terracotta soldier and remained undetected amidst the army of statues that guard the tomb of Emperor Qin Shi Huang. Very good. Thank you, Danik. Um, Does Donaldson a... just live at home with a house full of linguophones? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Tonight, Estonian, I rather feel. <laughs> Jeremy, why are we suffering the daddy of all plagues? This is uh, the crane fly, popularly known as the daddy long legs, and there's a plague of them. Because we've had a certain kind of summer that's been quite dry but not that dry, which suits the daddy long legs. And they fly about, but they do no harm. But still, nonetheless, people hate them and want to, want to see them rounded up and deported. But they, um. Well, they're they rubbish plumbers, aren't they? They're not qualified. They're, no, no, they're not plumbers, no. no. They flap about a lot. And, and then they die after three days. You know, it's annoying, but it's going to be dead in a day and a half. I, uh, I don't like spiders, okay? Now, to me, what happens around about September, October time is that take spiders and uh, give them wings and make them fly at your face. Yeah. <laughs> fly at your face and they're in your hair and they're in your ear and they're Oh, everywhere. you phobic. You're like one of those people who has people thrown off planes because they're not wearing flip-flops. <laughs> Yeah, it's like people are frightened of buttons. All right, you're frightened of buttons, but try to understand it's not the buttons who are to blame. <laughs> and the buttons are more frightened of you exactly. than you are of them. But a zip can break your arm. <laughs> are people afraid of buttons? Yeah. It's a huge phobia of buttons. Is. I never knew that. I don't mean sort of Anita Harris in Panto. <laughs> 
thousands of homes have been invaded by crane flies or daddy long legs, as we like to call them. The explosion in numbers has been blamed on the heat, the sporadic rainfall, and the fact that Peter Crouch now has a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. I don't even know who he is. Um, uh, before we reveal the final scores, let's hear the cuttings that the teams have brought along. Fred? Well, I haven't brought a cutting, uh, Sandy, but I have brought the television channel's details from the hotel that I'm being accommodated in. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you but, want some help on how uh, it no, works? Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Channel 2, BBC 1, Channel 3, BBC 2. You see, it's not quite so clear <laughs> as you thought. Channel 8, E4, Channel 9, BBC 3, 22, Men and Movies, 25, Porn. <laughs> That's all it says. No explanation required, thank you. Joe. I have this and I think I like it because it's very Scottish in its way. Finally, the result of a cash prize competition organised by doctors in the Highlands to find a name for Fort William's new health centre. After sifting through the many suggestions received over the past few months, the chosen name is the Fort William Health Centre. <laughs> Phil, my lovely. Say thank you to Sean Musgrave from the Gower Peninsula for spotting this from the South Wales Evening Post. Helpful workers on the highways of Wales put up a bilingual sign for cyclists warning them of roadworks. But while it told English cyclists to dismount, it told Welsh speakers, Lliddy Bredren Dimchwelid, which means your bladder disease has returned. <laughs> A computer translation was blamed for confusing cyclists with cystitis. <laughs> Jeremy. Beijing. Strippers may be banned from performing at funerals in eastern China after five people were arrested for organising a striptease act at a ceremony attended by 200 people. Strippers used to be a common feature at funerals to increase attendance. <laughs> Now let's take a look at the final score. Fred and Joe have got 12, but this week's winners are Jeremy and Phil with 13. Before we leave you, here is a notice from the Swansea North Residents Association website sent in by Sean Bowler. Father Vincent has been a pillar of this community for three decades and he'll be sorely missed. We'll be holding a goodbye tea at St. Martha's Church Hall on Friday the 14th of April. So come and wish him well before he flies off to Thailand to take up his missionary position. <laughs> and with that, goodbye. Taking part in the news quiz with Fred McCauley, Joe Caulfield, Phil Jupiter, and Jeremy Hardy. In the chair with Sandy Coxfig, and the news is read by me, Peter Donaldson. The chair's script is written by Simon Littlefield, Roderick Crooks, and Lucy Clark. And the producer was Katie Tyrrell. Thank <laughs> you.